If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, the only Batman podcast where I am one of the hosts. My name is Becca, and regrettably, this podcast is not about Dune. My name is Josh, and in keeping with my uh, theme of talking about what I'm getting mailed, I received my Booster Gold comics and also a mysterious check for $81. Ooh, for who? Uh, From my car dealership. Hmm. What do you think they're trying to tell you? I don't know. I'm going to call them up maybe and ask them about it, because I'm pretty sure that if you cash a check, you're like legally locked into a couple of things. Hmm. You have to marry them. <laughs> yep, that's it. It's a legally binding I have to. I have to marry my car dealer, the guy who sold me my car. <laughs> so this is a Batman podcast, unfortunately, and not a Dune podcast, where we talk about Batman and all of his wonderful things, and not Paul of House Atreides, the... Cuisart's Hatterack and the Lizan El Gaib and all those other names for him. Um, and also we're a couple and we both saw Dune and <laughs> I read the book and Josh didn't, but he seemed to understand it. Yeah, I get it. I saw somebody on Facebook said it was soulless because it like mm. doesn't, it doesn't really show you the intricacies of these characters. It just like shows what they're doing. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it felt like a pretty straightforward adaption. You can tell that it's coming from a sci-fi book that's very dense. Yeah. Because they had to cut a lot out and they're just sort of hitting the main plot points. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, especially because the movie feels like it's three and a half hours, even though it's only two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, there's long stretches of time where it's just sort of eye candy visual stuff. Yeah. Which, like, they could have probably crammed some more exposition into, but I'm glad that they didn't because it probably would have made it even more tedious. Yeah. No, I, I didn't need a voiceover over, like, the, you know, rolling sand hills yeah. about the importance of who cares. I just liked to look at it. It's a movie. It's supposed to be visually yeah, pleasing. Yeah, it's a sci-fi movie. It's like it's like deep sci-fi and like political intrigue sci-fi, if that's your thing. Yeah. It's not really my thing, but I can appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. I hope they make a second part. <laughs> okay. Anyway. But We're yes. talking about Batman. Yes, this is a Batman podcast. Why, what to... are we talking about this week and uh, why are we talking about it? So this week we're talking about the Whirly Bat, which a, is a listener request. A listener request, thanks to longtime listener and uh, first-time mother of me, <laughs> Deb, for requesting the Whirly Bat episode that we've had on our to-do list for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. ever since we first saw the Whirly Bats, we fell in love with them. <laughs> yeah, in a way, in our own way. But let's talk about news first. Um, I'm actually want to start by talking about the Injustice movie okay. that came out recently. Yeah. Um, unlike Dune, not great. Didn't love it. Yeah, I believe it came out on like October 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, not that great. It's The thing about it is it stays fairly true to the comics up until about like halfway through and then uh, both completely falls apart from like a narrative standpoint and from like a staying true to the source material standpoint. Yeah. 
a lot of the lore around Injustice is like reasons for superheroes to be fighting each other. Um, so there's a lot going on and they really pare it down in the Injustice movie and sort of boil it down to like Superman's angry that Lois died, but he never goes like full on one world government regime like he does in the games. He just sort of like forces people to make peace with each other and then uh, a Lois from another dimension, spoilers, a Lois from another dimension comes and tells him that he's being a bad boy <laughs> and he's like, yes, you're right, I should be imprisoned. Whereas, like, they have to forcibly imprison him in the games. Mm. That sounds like it probably is more meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Showing that, like, Superman can be a bad person. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's so weird, because, like, they do a lot more in the video game with the alternate universes. Uh, like, all the characters from the Prime Earth come to the Injustice universe, so you get scenes like... Uh, Hal Jordan trying to convince a uh, yellow lantern Hal Jordan that he's like doing the wrong thing okay. and that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, none of that is in the movie. It's just sort of like Superman gets angry, Batman tries to fight him, and then they bring in like one or two alternate universe people yeah. to like put him down. The, my main thing wasn't that like the story wasn't as rich as it could be. My thing is that the perf some of the performances oh, yeah. were just awful. The voice acting was terrible, especially for like Harley Quinn was pretty bad. Yeah, Jillian Jacobs really britted it. <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah, um, I did like Oliver Queen's performance, and then like the rest of them were just sort of lackluster, like nothing, nothing that I would like nitpick specifically. Mm -hmm. Like Harley Quinn, the Harley Quinn was like, this is annoying. She sounds like a teenage girl. Yeah. It's like really terrible. And then Superman was bad. Yeah, Superman was stilted. flat. Yeah, flat, stilted. Um, and then the rest of them were just sort of like, you could tell that they sort of weren't giving their all, or maybe like the voice director wasn't doing a great job directing them. Yeah. It wasn't Andrea. Yeah. I know that. So what's next on the news docket? Well, according to the directors of the upcoming HBO Max Batgirl film, uh, Batman will appear in some form. And previously, Batgirl's star, Leslie Grace, who... You and I most recently saw as Nina in In the Heights. Okay. Uh, she said that Batman wouldn't be in the film, but the director said otherwise and added cryptically that it will be, quote, the real Batman. Hmm. So. So we're thinking Pattinson? I guess they're saying they're not going to, like, dupe us and have someone in hockey pads trying to emulate oh. the caped crusader. Um, ben Affleck said he's moving on after The Flash. He's not going to be in any more movies. Okay. Keaton might be too old, um, but it was rumored that J.K. Simmons would return as Commissioner Gordon, which would place this new Batgirl film in, like, the DCEU if they care about that kind of thing. Well, yeah, we'll all have to see how The Flash shakes out because yeah. we might end up with them being, like, doing what they're doing with the comics right now where they're just retconning stuff that people don't like. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Pattinson probably isn't out of the question, um, but what would you think of a Batman Beyond kind of scenario with Keaton as, like, old man Bruce mentoring Barbara from the shadows? Hmm. That would be interesting. It would definitely be, like, a different story than we normally see. Mm -hmm. Even in Batman Beyond, I don't think he trains anybody uh, other than Terry. 
in like the Batman ways. There's other people who help out Batman, Terry McGinnis, but Bruce Wayne isn't directly involved with them other than perhaps like acknowledging that they know the secret or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it would be a different take for sure. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting. I know. I can't get over that phrasing of it'll be the real Batman. The real Batman. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm excited either way. Uh, you know, these HBO Max movies remains to be seen what they'll really be like. Yeah. But... Well, it's this one and the blue and gold is the ones that we know about, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any other ones? Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> I think there's like a ton. Oh. <laughs> that are coming. There's a, the Zatanna movie. Oh, that's right. There's a Zatanna one coming too. Yeah. There's going to be a, a bunch. Okay. I hope they're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you had a story that's sort of kind of news. Yeah. Kind so of kind of tea. This is a bit related because this is about live action Batman stuff. So we didn't cover this last week because we just sort of got like covered in the avalanche of DC fandom news. Yeah. And I completely Was forgot. Was it a coincidence? Ooh, <laughs> conspiracy. I completely forgot to bring this up. So a few weeks ago, on October 6th, it was announced by IGN that an official Wayne Family Adventures, which is that slice-of-life Batman comic that's on Webtoon, uh, was going to get a live-action YouTube series. And the creators of the series, Isma Hawk, are known for creating fan films, including a Nightwing miniseries that they produced in 2014. And the actor for Nightwing in that was going to reprise his role as Nightwing for this series. Okay. Then later in the day on October 6th, IGN removed any mentions of the project being official from their article. Hmm. On October 8th, Isma Hawk issued a clarification that the series is, quote, not an official live action adaption of Batman Wayne Family Adventures webcomic, and was not announced by DC or Webtoon. The video was intended to be a short-form series created by Isma Hawk, inspired by the webcomic. Okay. By October 11th, all mentions of the project, including the trailer, had been scrubbed from Isma Hawk's social media. Oh, no. And that same day, Twitter user Wayne G said that he had reached out to someone at IGN who clarified that Webtoons was working with the filmmakers, but requested that the official wording be removed per legal agreements that they had. Mm. So what it seems is that Webtoon gave their blessing to the team at Ismahawk to create this series without clearing the project first with Warner Brothers, oh, no. who are the copyright holders of <laughs> Batman. Yes. But... Okay, this studio has made fan films before. Yes. And fan films are allowed to go forward without, like, any permission from Warner Brothers because they don't make any money. Yeah. So I don't understand why they couldn't just go ahead and do it. I think it had something to do with the fact that it was made... Uh, largely, like, the public was made aware of it. Okay. So, because IGN announced it, and because there was, initially there was that official wording on it, mm. uh, people were like, oh, an official Batman property thing. And so, 
Uh, like DC has the right to issue cease and desists to people who are making fan films. Yeah. They own the copyrights to the characters. They're allowed to tell them to take it down. But there's sort of this unspoken agreement among copyright holders and fans of series is that a lot of the time fan films will be allowed to slide by as long as they like don't make enough waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was probably seen by someone at Warner Brothers as like, uh, if we don't defend this, then we might have issues down the line defending our IP. Right. Um, so... Yeah, and it was probably also something where DC was upset that Webtoon went ahead and I don't know if greenlit is the correct word to use, but like gave their blessing to this series without getting input from DC first. Okay. Are people allowed to do Kickstarters for fan films? Um, I guess, yeah. Hmm. Like, you're asking if it's against Kickstarter's rules? It probably is against Kickstarter's rules to do any project for something that you don't have the rights to. Hmm. Um, If you were raising money for a fan film and you were like coy about what it was based around, then maybe you could get away with it. Hmm. Again, it's sort of one of those things where it's like Kickstarter gets a cut of everything that uh, like makes (laughs) makes money. So... Like, if it's not to the point where it's going to draw attention, Kickstarter might, like, turn a blind eye. I'm going to put up a Kickstarter for a film about flying rodent superhero. There you go. Yeah. And I'll have um, action figures made in China. I mean, you only have to wait, uh, what is it, it's like 11 years or something uh, until Batman becomes public domain. I know. (laughs) So exciting. What's going to (laughs) happen? I'm serious. What's going to happen? Well, so the the way that it works, you know how the issue right now with like the Sherlock Holmes stuff is that his estate owns, um, Arthur Conan Doyle's like family owns like the later books in the series. Mm -hmm. So people aren't allowed to adapt those or take any part of Sherlock Holmes' character from those. Yeah. It'll be the same deal with Batman and with Mickey Mouse too. Uh, Like when they get released in the public domain, the only the designs and like the the stuff that was established in those early comics is going to be fair game. Is that why you Disney... wouldn't be able to work in like Barbara Gordon because she wasn't introduced until the sixties? Okay, is that why Disney recently has come out with all of those cartoons that are sort of in the Steamboat Willie style in like the last couple of years? I think that might be it. Ooh. Honestly, I think that might be it. I think they're trying to work their way around it. That's why we have the Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway. Yeah, like it's like that, that art style that looks like it's the old old timey like Walt Disney art style, but it's it's slightly newer. So they can maybe take people to court and argue that it's an adaption of that instead of the originals. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I heard that the, with the uh, the Sherlock Holmes stuff, that the things that they can't adapt is him being, like, kind of nice. <laughs> which is why he's, like, always a jerk in, like, newer adaptations is because, like, him being sort of a good guy was, like, the later books. The, the interesting thing is that a lot of the Batman canon got established very early on. So, like... The first comic that Batman appears in, Detective Comics number 27, like Commissioner Gordon is in it. Uh, He has his own car. It's not called the Batmobile, but it would be called the Batmobile like 10 years later or something. Uh, 
Joker shows up in, like, the 40s. There's, like, a lot of stuff that will become public domain very quickly yeah. for Batman. Interesting. And I'll be waiting. <laughs> but for this webtoon thing, DC still holds the rights to Batman and all their related characters. So they probably sent a cease and desist. I don't know if we'll ever know the full story unless mm. somebody from these this, like, Isma Hawk fan director, like, actually spills the beans. But Which he yeah. may have signed an NDA as part of a settlement. It's pro yeah, yeah, it's possible that that happened too. We'll never know. We'll, we'll probably never know. The only thing that I know is that, like I said, the actor who played Nightwing in their web series before uh, was slated to play Nightwing in this upcoming one. He had like a lot of tweets that were like, I'm so excited. And then like a couple of days later, while this whole thing was going on, he was like, you know, sometimes God has a plan for you. And that plan involves like not seeing your things through to completion or something Aww. like that. So like, again, like pretty vague, but in, like, uh, I'm upset that we don't get to do this kind of thing. Poor guy. I hope he gets some good work. If he's supposed to play Nightwing, I'm sure he's got a rockin' bod. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was on this dude's Twitter, and I was afraid that you were going to look over from the table and be like, why are you looking at, like, a bunch of pictures of a ripped dude? Oh, my God. What's his name? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. All right. I, there's, like, a video of him doing backflips and stuff, too, though. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Well, I hope he gets a big break. All right, well, now that we have uh, expressed our collective thirst, <laughs> let's move on to a comic. Yeah, so we're going to cover Detective Comics number 257, the title of which is Batman's Invincible Foe. This has a cover date of July 1958. Uh, penciler was Sheldon Moldov, the inker was Charles Paris, and the editor was Jack Schiff. Uh, couldn't find a writer listed for this one. Who did you think it was, it's Bill Finger? probably Bill Finger. Yeah, Bill Finger wrote the issue before this, and he wrote the issue that's like two issues after this, and he was writing Batman at the time, so it's probably, you know, probably Bill Finger wrote this. Um, or maybe it was uh, Ghost Rider, and they just never listed somebody because they don't know. Maybe it was actually Bob Kane. But anyway, this is the first appearance of the Whirly Bat. <laughs> the cover shows a UFO that has like hose arms with suction cups on it coming out of it. And it looks like it's being driven by uh, a baby with a toupee. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's suctioning the Batmobile. Mm -hmm. And then we have our story splash page after that, which has the same baby with a toupee who's in a bubble and shooting a ray gun at Batman and Robin, who are flying in the whirly bats and holding a 15 foot long sewing needle. Hooray, the best and most durable thing they've ever ridden. <laughs> This is just a sneak peek at how absolutely wild this comic gets. This is one, the, the last one that we covered, we were like, this one starts at 100, and, and this one builds up to it being absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so we open up on Gotham's annual sidewalk art exhibit, where local artists are showing off their work. The crowd spots something in the sky descending upon them, and the call goes out to the police to protect the citizens from the mystery object. I like this first panel. It seems like it's got a little cameo by Vincent Van Gogh, uh -huh. which, we'll get into it, is kind of foreshadowing for the revelation in this comic, <sighs> if you think about it. At Wayne Mansion, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson have finished their work on their single-man helicopters, the Whirly Bats, when they spot the bat signal in the sky. The dynamic duo load their inventions into the car, quickly change into their costumes, and the Batmobile roars out of the Batcave towards the art district. 
As the dynamic duo arrive, they spot the trouble, which is a giant UFO-shaped machine with suction cup tentacles being piloted by a strange-looking man. This vehicle is very uh, War of the Worlds. <laughs> kind of spooky. And I, I like the vacuum tentacles. I think those are very useful. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. They jump out of the car just before one of the tentacles latches onto it, while the others scoop up the works of art from the street fair. Batman has an idea on how to defeat the machine, and he and Robin begin scaling a building with a billboard for oil paints. Okay. I'm not sure that Bill Finger understands how advertisements work. <laughs> I know this probably isn't the first time we've talked about this, but they're always using like billboards and stuff to attack foes. Uh-huh. And in this one, they jump on these tubes of paint and like more paint squirts out of them. And these are tubes of paint that are attached to a billboard. There is no way the, the tubes of paint on the billboard would actually have paint inside <laughs> of them. First of all, acrylic paint is extremely expensive. There's no way they would have filled these with actual acrylic paint. It's like 50 gallons of acrylic paint yeah. that are in these giant billboards. That's going to be like a million dollars. How is that effective advertising? Do you have anything else to say about these acrylic paints? No, I'm just mad at Bill Finger. <laughs> and if he's a man, I'll fight me. I mean, yeah, I'll cover, I'll cover more about this later. Uh... <laughs> As they climb the building, the machine swings the Batmobile into the building, wrecking it. The Cape Crime fighters jump onto the giant tubes, as you said, uh, and they splatter all over the UFO's cockpit, which obscures the driver's vision. And the two swing down on the bat ropes to unlatch the canopy and capture the crook, but the machine begins to fade out of view before they can land on it. With the driver, who identifies himself as Carco, Taunting Batman. Batman and Commissioner Gordon puzzle over what motives Carco would have for using his incredible machine to rob something as trivial as a local art fair rather than a bank or fine art gallery. Maybe he's sentimental. You know, <laughs> he just, he wants, you know, some tchotchkes and moved to a new apartment and uh, he wants something that's just, you know, like looks like a little found. He maybe. values sentimental value. <laughs> you yeah. think he's, he wants bespoke art. And that's yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, Batman and Commissioner Gordon discuss this when uh, a call comes in that Carco is striking the business district. Commissioner Gordon offers to give Batman and Robin a ride with their Batmobile having dis been disabled, but the two decline seeing an opportunity to test out the new whirly bats. A police officer assures the two that he will look over the car while they're gone, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so when they're getting in the whirly bats, Batman yeah. says something about, you know, make sure to secure it with the harness or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even with harnesses, the whirly bats look unsafe as hell. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. There's nothing to protect them from birds or bullets or anything. It's not enclosed. It's, no. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. I think it was our penguin episode is when we first encountered these. They're basically like paragliding, parasailing. <laughs> no, no, because it, well, okay, yeah, because a parasail has the propeller on the back. This is just a small propeller on the top and like a roller coaster seat or something. It or, does look like a roller coaster seat. And You're that's right. about it. Like, yep. there's a there's a thin piece of metal along the back that uh, connects the seat to the propeller, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, 
The dynamic duo swoop down into the business district where Carco is using a ray gun to envelop a television, a radio, a piano, and a car in bubbles which carry them skyward. The crime fighters attempt to apprehend Carco, but he shoots himself with the gun and begins floating away in a bubble. I think it would be really fun to travel by bubble. <laughs> yeah? Don't you? Yeah, like uh, Glinda, no, Belinda, Glinda, the white witch, the wow. good witch. <laughs> what do you think it is? I've, I've really stumbled my way through this. What do you think her name is? Um, Gilda, Glinda, Belinda. <laughs> Help me out, what is it? <laughs> Glinda. Glinda. The Good Witch. Yeah, close enough. Belinda. Belinda the Good Witch. Wow. Yeah, like Glinda. I think it would be fun to travel by bubble. Yeah. Especially like an indestructible bubble. I mean, it would be scary if you thought that the bubble could pop at any time and you could die. But, (laughs) yeah. Well, Batman's plan to defeat the villain involves a novelty-sized item from the billboard again. This time, it's a giant sewing needle from the So Good Sewing Company, spelled S-E-W. So good. Uh, to pop the bubble. I'm going to need his descendants to come fight me. <laughs> what? Bill Finger? Yeah. Uh, yeah. His granddaughter. It's, it's pretty funny. In So uh, I got the Batman Audio Adventures comic, uh, and that one opens up with a story where a they also have a novelty giant billboard that has like a giant shoe on it. And Batman has to, like, knock somebody out of the way from a giant shoe falling on them. Mm-hmm. And it leads to one of the, the my favorite lines, which in the comic, which is something along the lines of, like, uh, this isn't my first giant shoe and it won't be my last. I'm from Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's great. Go get the Batman Audio Adventures uh, comic. It's it's pretty good. And watch them on HBO. They're really good. Yeah. Lis- listen to them on HBO. Mm-hmm. As the two approach Carco with the needle, he flips a switch on the box on his belt, and the loot that has been trapped in the bubbles disappears. I really like how they have no qualms about potentially killing Carco with this giant needle. Because well, they're they gonna... don't say that they're going to kill him. Batman threatens that he will uh, fall to the river or something okay. like that. Like no one could survive that kind of fall, though. I think what Batman thinks is that it will slowly let out the air inside of it or something like that. That is not how bubbles work. <laughs> but okay, go off. Maybe he's planning on swooping down and catching him. Sure. <laughs> well, Carco is unfazed by the threat, firing a bolt of his ray gun at them, which they are able to barely dodge. As the two charge the villain holding the needle, Carco flips another switch and the bubble becomes armored in iron, causing the dynamic duo to crash into it, ruins the whirly bats, and sends them plummeting. Mm. Luckily, Batman is able to grasp Robin with his legs. Batman has some really strong calves. Yeah, (laughs) and he lassos the bridge below with his bat rope. They meet Commissioner Gordon on the bridge. Hold on. What? Because before they land, Uh Batman says, that was a squeaker, Robin. Mm -hmm. And considering how he's positioned with his legs wrapped around Robin, now would be a really bad time to let out a squeaker. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the things where uh, words have changed meanings over time, I think. (laughs) 
So, yeah, he meets Commissioner Gordon on the bridge, and they continue to ponder why Carco has stolen a bunch of uh, items that are comparatively low in value to the things that he could be stealing. Gordon believes that he's either a fool or a crazy invader from outer space, while Batman has a different theory which he does not share. Of course, he knew it all along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Presumably, Batman has to take Gordon up on that offer for a lift because the next scene, they head to a radar station to try and track Carco's bubble. They find it traveling 700 miles per hour, which I looked, I was like, is that um, faster than the speed of sound? It's not. It's like just below the speed of sound. So he's Hmm. traveling uh, like sub Mach 1, but pretty close to it. Hmm. And he's heading towards a former army air base. Why they don't think that it might be an army air, like, plane, I don't know. I guess he's the only thing in the sky. They tracked his signal. Uh, Batman and Robin then leave to, uh, I don't know, run home to get another mode of transportation. Which I say because we're told in the next panel that the Cape Crusader arrives in the army base in a reserve Batmobile. Hmm. But there's no way that he had Commissioner Gordon give him a ride to Wayne Manor so he could get the other Batmobile, right? Wait, can you just drop me off at my friend Bruce Wayne's house? I keep my second Batmobile there. Yeah. (laughs) It's a coincidence. (laughs) He's a good friend of mine. Well, everybody knows that Batman and Bruce Wayne are are good friends, especially in the Silver Age. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. You didn't even consider because like they're just like in this radar station, and then Batman and Robin bolt out, and it's like, where are they going? <laughs> are they gonna run home? I or think... does he have to like hide in the woods and like call Alfred on the Bat Radio to give him a lift? I think they went to the police station bathroom. <gasps> Wait, changed. Okay, came back, and they were like, "Oh, Commissioner Gordon, how good to see you." Alfred's drunk again. Can you give me a ride home? <laughs> I don't remember if this is... I think this is before Alfred was removed from the comics. But anyway, I also wanted to note to eagle-eared listeners that you may remember in our Vicky Vale episode that Batman only has one Batmobile and that he had used a disguised sports car of Bruce Wayne's as a stand-in until the real one could be repaired. I would like to note that this is that this comic canonically comes after that one, so I assume that Batman decided that a backup car was a good idea after that incident. There's got to be another animal who's got good hearing. <laughs> I don't think eagles are known for their good hearing. Uh, dogs. Dog-eared listeners? That makes it sound like I'm insulting our listeners. Dog-faced, dumb... <laughs> pony soldiers. Pony soldiers. <laughs> Listeners, what's got a good hearing? Mm, rabbits. Rabbits. Owls? Do owls have good hearing? No, owls. Bats do. Echolocation. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Bat eared? Well, that sounds like you're a demon, though. Yeah. Hmm. All right, write in at batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what, what animal has good hearing. Anyway, Batman and Robin arrive at the scene to find Carco and another mystery man fighting each other with strange weapons. Carco is enveloped in a gas cloud that sends him floating into the air. The crime fighters manage to grab the box that Carco has been using for his tricks and the ray gun, but are distracted upon discovering what has happened to his opponent. When Carco fired his ray gun at him, the mystery figure was frozen solid. 
Also, as a side note, I want to note that this mystery figure looks like a cross between the Martian Manhunter with the red X on his chest and uh, Buck Rogers from the comics. Mm. He's got like a a helmet that has a single fin on the top. He kind of looks like that alien from the Flintstones also. You think he looks like the great kazoo or whatever his name is? You know, I looked him up and I was like, eh, not exactly. He's got a huge head and he's all green. Whereas this guy has like a white face and a green helmet. I see. Uh, Batman and Robin grab the electric blanket from the Batmobile and thaw the man, but they don't realize the Carco has escaped while they were occupied. I... It really baffles me that they didn't split up and they just let Carco get away. I know. Yeah, it's like... The and they try to play it off as like, oh, we were so concerned for this man's life. We just, we didn't even know. Yeah, we, we completely forgot. <laughs> we forgot we were chasing a criminal. Okay, there's two of you. <laughs> but okay. It's heavy. It's a heavy blanket. They, mm-hmm. they got two people. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the mystery man identifies himself as chief of the Universal Police Inspectors, Mahan, and before he can explain himself, Batman informs him that he's already deduced that the two strange men have come from the future. Batman explains that all of the items that Karko has stolen so far are valuable antiques in the future, to which Mahan agrees. The reason that he came from the year 2572 back in time to search for Carco was because he grew suspicious when items from Batman's era began to appear for sale. Okay, two things. Okay. Surely there isn't any gasoline left in the world in 2572 (laughs) for that antique car to run off of. Well, yeah, but it's still worth a lot if it's in like mint condition. It's the kind of thing that you put in a museum. I guess so. But he doesn't want it in a museum. He's going to sell it. Well, he's going to sell it. But he's going to sell it to, like, black market collectors, most likely. I guess so. The second thing is, um, it all makes sense now with the amateur paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those were, he knows that someday those are going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me of an episode of Doctor Who that maybe you've seen a clip from it, or maybe you've seen the episode where he takes Vincent Van Gogh to a present-day art gallery, and he asks an art historian to tell Van Gogh about how he's going to be regarded as one of the most talented artists of all time uh-huh. someday. And I wonder if Batman and Robin will do that with the amateur painter in Gotham. And be like, just so you know, in, you know, 500 years, you're going to be a big deal. And that's that's good. That's great for you. 600 years. 600 620 years. 620 mm-hmm. years-ish. Uh I don't know. And it really doesn't matter because the the worthy the like the value of your paintings only matters unless your like relatives own them after you die or you sell them for like a high price while you're living. Yeah. It doesn't matter if your paintings are worth a lot after you die because you can't make money off of it. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a racket for the rich to avoid paying taxes. I really wonder why Van Gogh's paintings weren't appreciated while he was alive. Is it just because he was like eccentric and weird? And it was like, like a different art style than what was popular at the time. Yeah. You know, tastes change. Yeah. So, you know, pop. what is considered popular art and good art changes from time to time. And also, like I said, uh, like professional art, uh, masterpieces, galleries, it's all a scam. It's all a tax scam. 
some collector will sell it to another collector for an inflated exorbitant price, and then that collector can like donate it to a museum so they can write it off on their taxes and they don't have to pay taxes. Mm. It's a it's a it's an awful thing, and I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> Go off, Joshua. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> I also wanted to note that the future currency that we are shown in the comics is called discs. Ooh. If you look at the, the advertisements for the for the antiques, they it says like 20,000 discs for the car. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen discs as a as like a future currency in any other DC stuff. It's I copies know... of Terry Pratchett's Discworld. <laughs> That's the currency. <laughs> Like how bottle caps are precious in the Fallout universe. In in the Batman Beyond universe, they're called creds. That's the the like future currency. Okay, like credits. Yeah, that makes sense. Mostly, most sci-fi uses creds, credits or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's just Bitcoin pretty much. Yeah, it's cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh no! <gasps> Should we get it on the ground floor? <laughs> I think it's a little too late to get it on the ground floor of Bitcoin. Should we start mining crypto? Uh no. And does it have anything to do with Crypto the Wonder Dog? Also no. Okay. Actually, if you're out there and you're mining crypto, get, don't stop doing it. Because it, first of all, it's bad for the planet. Your computer uses up all these resources for something that is valueless. Uh, and then also, number two, you're eating up all the graphics card for gamers like me. We want them graphics cards. Yeah. And there's a shortage there's a whole, there's like a supply chain thing going on right now. I don't know if you guys know. Well, this was an issue back last Christmas. You oh, were trying yeah. to get me a graphics card and you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. These crypto miners, they're yeah. ruining the economy. Just like every other kind of miner. <laughs> if you're out there and you're mining anything, stop it. Well, no, I don't, I don't know about stop that. Stop mining. <laughs> this is an anti-mining podcast. Well... So they talk about the economics of the future, and uh, Mahan explains that Carco has an accomplice that he is sending the items to using the time signal box, which Batman now possesses, which, uh, because Batman now possesses it, has trapped Carco in the past. P present? Present. <laughs> His past, our present. <laughs> well, it's our past, too, because it's 1958. Okay. His past, Batman's present. <laughs> okay. Well, their chat is cut short by Carco, who contacts Inspector Mahan on his Universal Belt Radio, proposing a deal. They will leave his time signal box outside Wayne Mansion by midnight tonight, or Carco will reveal the identities of Batman and Robin, which are a commonly known fact in the future. Did they ever follow up on this Batman and Robin will be known in the future thing before the 1985 reset? Was there ever some grand like Civil War-esque storyline where Batman and Robin like unmasked? Well, I know in like uh, Alfred's supposed future stories, they, they keep their identity secret because... Um, Dick Grayson becomes like Batman two, yeah. and Batman's son becomes Robin two. But those are just those are just like those are Elseworlds. Yeah, those are those are Elseworld tales. Those are are, are stories that are like sort of what ifs. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I know that like Batman kind of retires and lives with Batwoman, so he does eventually end up doing the stuff that's hinted at in the Silver Age. Um, but I mean, this, like what I said, this is like 600 years in the future. So it's very possible that, 
you know, after Upon his death. Yeah, exactly. After watched. Bruce Wayne's death or maybe after Dick Grayson's death, like with no one else to take up the mantle, it gets revealed or something like that. I see. Yeah. Interesting. How strange to know that in the future, everyone will know your name. <laughs> what would you do with that kind of information? I don't know. I get, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't change the way that I'm conducting myself because obviously it's going to be the best, right? Well, you don't know why everyone knows your name. Hmm. Mm. You know, I think they also reveal that Bruce Wayne was Batman in Dark Knight Returns. I'm pretty sure at the very end of that, because like when he fakes his death and he blows up, like everybody figures it out and then he fakes his death and blows up, but then he like runs the Batman out of the Batcave mm-hmm. after being presumed dead. Yeah. Hmm. And that's your little bit of uh, Dark Knight Returns lore for this episode. Yep. Okay, Garko tells them that there will be no funny business or Batman will regret it. But Batman doesn't even stop to give it a second thought, deciding that the risk of revealing his identity is worth stopping the time crimes. Which is exactly what the comic calls it. They call them time crimes. They are time crimes. Uh, They head back to the Batcave and they DIY themselves a replica time signal box to leave out for Garko. And that night, the duo wait for the criminal from the future in a tree, and they drop down on him as he takes the phony box. I can't believe that's the trap. The what? trap is just jump and, jump and grab him. Yeah. That's, that's really weak. That's weak sauce. I mean, that's most of the, what their plans are to capturing criminals. <laughs> jump on top of him, knock him out, or whatever. Put him in bat cuffs. Even the, the mystery gang used to use, like, nets and stuff. <laughs> you know, a tarp. Why doesn't he have a bat net? He should. So as they grasp at him, he pulls a lever on the box and vanishes, leaving Batman and Robin confused. Did they accidentally leave out the real box? Then Inspector Mahan reveals that he pulled a switcheroo on them, leaving his time signal box out for Carco to take, which will teleport uh, Carco back to the Universal Police Headquarters where he will be apprehended. Mm. And the comic ends with Mahan informing them that he will head back to the crook's hideout and send the stolen items back to Batman's era. And the two wave goodbye, hoping that that's the last that they've seen of the time-traveling criminal. Mm. Um, and it was. Oh, okay. I was going to say, do we have a, uh, a rogue roundup for Carco? We do not. Okay. Because he was never heard of again. Because you know what? In the future, they actually have really effic- effective, efficient jails. There where you people go. aren't constantly escaping or making parole. They, they fixed Gotham State Penitentiary's issue with allowing criminals loose. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then what do we have to talk about? Well, we've got some info about the Whirly Bat. Okay. And we've also got some info about other uh, time travelers in oh. the DC universe. Okay. Well, what's the moral of the story before we move into those? Uh, the moral of the story is I think it has that... something to do with billboards, right? I No, I'm going to say the moral of the story is that, you know, don't worry about what's happening in your lifetime because you might leave a legacy that someday somebody's going to want to steal your stuff because it's worth so much in the future. <clears throat> so don't worry about it. I guess so, yeah. I mean, that could be said about even Neolithic people who left, like, dolls that are very valuable yeah. museum artifacts now. Exactly. So, you know, produce all you can and don't worry about... Leave your mark on this world. Yeah, don't worry about the effect you'll have in your own lifetime. 
because it doesn't matter. No, it does matter for sure. But don't worry that, uh, I guess... You're muddling my moral. Get, don't worry about what, with what you produce is valueless or that people won't like it now uh, because it may someday be worth something in the future. Exactly. Just go out there and do stuff. Make your mark on the world and don't worry about but how... But don't hurt people. Don't hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our that's our mixed moral that's, of the story. That's the muddled moral of the story. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me about the whirly bat then. All right. So the running joke with the whirly bats seems to be their knack for getting destroyed in every mission where they are deployed. <laughs> so following whirly bat 1.0 getting destroyed by Carco, Batman next uses a whirly bat to patrol the city after an accident left him temporarily unable to walk. Ooh. Yeah, he uses them to kind of fly over the city and, you know, see where criminal activity is happening and, I guess, swoop down and effectively capture them <laughs> without walking. And with, without letting anyone know that he can't walk. With nets, probably. Probably. Uh, these whirly bats were destroyed after Batman and Robin faced off against Mr. Zero, known to us as Mr. Freeze, uh -huh. who froze the whirly bats' rotor blades with his ice gun. Mm. And we read that comic, though, didn't we? I don't think we did. Oh, okay. I don't know. I know we read the first appearance of Mr. Zero. Yeah, I think this was a different a different Mr. Zero comic. Okay. The next incarnation had the added ability to deploy smoke screens. However, these were then destroyed by a giant robot that fell from space inside of an enormous seed. <laughs> Perhaps an issue for another day. Okay. Put maybe put that one on the list. The Whirly Bats next appeared in the same issue from our Penguin episode, which you can go back and listen to, uh, where they are wrecked by the Penguin's huge blimp. Mm. We saw that. We did. In the Bronze Age, Batman installed a silencer device in the Whirly Bat. However, it was again destroyed during a fight with Clayface. And mm. not the Clayface from the, the Gold or Silver Age, but Clayface 3. Okay. Who we haven't touched on and probably never will. <laughs> Um, the next incarnation had some more safety features that protected the pilot. However, this one was destroyed by Calendar Man. So now we're not even getting to like top tier villains. Like Whirly Bats can be destroyed by <laughs> Calendar Man. They're getting less effective over time. <laughs> in one of the most recent appearances of the Whirly Bat in comics, actually saw a reverse fortune for the ill-fated vehicle. In Batman R.I.P., Hush, who... Is Thomas Elliot, but by this point in the comics had kind of like stolen Batman's face and was pretending to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, he breaks into the Bat Cave and attempts to steal a Whirly Bat in order to make a grand escape. However, the bandages on his face get tangled in the main rotor and he crashes into the ceiling cave. He doesn't die from this, uh, but it is sort of the beginning of the end for him in that storyline. He gets okay. pretty depressed and he tries to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah, he like crashes in the Bat Cave and then they are like, well, I guess he might have died, but then they, just, they don't find his body, which in comics means that he's alive. Yeah, he shows up later. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and so the Whirly Bat, you can usually see it in things like Lego Batman and Brave and the Bold. Whenever somebody wants to make a joke about like silly Batman stuff, usually the Whirly Bat silly is Batman there gadgets. somewhere in the background. Because, <laughs> yes, it's very silly and dumb. It's like the shark repellent. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that people are like, man, remember how wacky Batman used to be? But here's the thing. Shark repellent works, and the Whirly Bats have never worked. <laughs> Every single time we've seen the Whirly Bats, except for maybe once, they've like been ineffective. Yep, they're effective for catching small-time criminals if you do have a net. <laughs> Otherwise, do not deploy the Whirly Bats. Huh. 
You know, it's a shame because you would think that a single person, like, helicopter would be pretty useful. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he does have other aerial vehicles. He has the Batwing, which I want to say in modern incarnations can hover. Like, back in the 50s, it was just a plane. It was a Bat plane, Mm -hmm. uh, which couldn't hover. It was just a regular plane. I mean, he's got, what was that thing from The Dark Knight Rises? They just called it the Bat. That was sort of like a... That's yeah, that it's like the Batwing. Yeah. 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 I mean, he has aerial vehicles. Sometimes he has boats. He has a Batboat. We'll do another episode on Batman's vehicles. Great. You know, it's kind of like a vehicle. If you think fourth dimensionally. What is that? It's a time machine. <laughs> and DC has had a lot of time travelers throughout their publishing history. That's true. That's true. It's a very common trope in sci-fi in general. So it happened a lot in the Silver Age and happens a lot to this day. Mm-hmm. So let's get talking about those time travelers. One of the superheroes that was in Justice League in like the 80s was Booster Gold. And he's like sort of a criminal at first because he steals um, the stuff uh, from like a superhero exhibit in a museum in Metropolis and then uses it to go back in time to be a superhero in like present day 1980s DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like, he wants it to, he wants to use it to get rich, which is, um, he, he looks at all of the superhero stuff and he like wonders why none of them used their fame to get rich. And so he sets himself up as a superhero as a way to get rich and then sort of stumbles his way into heroism that way. Mm. Like he's actually doing heroic stuff, but it becomes more sincere as time goes on. And Booster was from the 25th century. So he's a little bit younger or like closer to us in the timeline than the, the villain that we see in this. He is a Bronze Age character. But he gets involved with a Silver Age character named Rip Hunter, which was like, you know, there's a lot, again, it was a very common sci-fi thing to do at the time was time travel. Uh, Rip Hunter was a time traveler. And then in like modern continuity, Rip Hunter is uh, shown to be like Booster Gold's son or something. Mm. And so... But it's like from, you know, he's his son from the future. So Rip Hunter is older than Booster, but he's, uh, you know... Booster and him are like the same age. I don't, it's it's wild. Okay. <laughs> With time travel, it gets like really messy really quickly. Um, so yeah, there's there's Rip Hunter, there's Booster Gold, and then there's also uh, Professor Zoom, uh, or also known as Thong, who Thon. is Thong Thong uh, Reverse Flash. Yeah, Reverse Flash. He's from uh, the 22nd century. And uh, he comes back in time to bother the Flash. <laughs> Kill his mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was in Flashpoint. And uh, yeah, so he's he's sort of a nuisance. I think he uses the speed force to go back in time, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, he learns, he learns about the Flash. He, like, figures out how to master the speed force using the same methods that um, Barry Allen did. And then goes back in time to, like, you know, be a villain for him. It's really just, like, a personal grudge, personal vendetta. I don't even think that he commits, like, real crimes. No. <laughs> He's just there to annoy Flash, like, and make him look bad. <laughs> 
But anyway, yeah, so those are like the major players of uh, time travel in the DC universe. I'm sure that there's like golden age people that I, I don't know about and, uh, you know, modern stuff that's part of the Booster Gold. Uh, I guess it's also worth mentioning that like Booster Gold and Rip Hunter, when they work together, um, again, it's sort of like later on in Booster Gold's career, he's involved in uh, sort of like time cops, basically, where they travel through time and make sure that like everything stays on the timeline. Sort of similar to like what happened in the Loki show. Yeah. Yeah. The TVA. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like to... to call uh alternate timelines it's because i don't think that they like have divergent timelines it's usually just a call like when another time traveler has messed with the timeline by you know putting somebody else in it Hmm. interesting yeah all right (laughs) well that was that mates that was our episode on the whirly bat thank you for listening you can email us at uh, batmates podcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on twitter at batmates and we'll see you again next time and i hope everybody has a good weekend goodbye goodbye when when in time would you time travel to uh let's see dinosaurs dinosaur era i have a way to get back right uh sure okay yeah dinosaurs are you suicidal no i want to see the dinosaurs oh my god they're gonna be so big also, I think what they'll really look like might break your brain. Why? You think they'll just look like big chickens? I don't know what they're going to look like, but I know they don't look like how we think they look like, and that's gonna, <laughs> that would freak me out. Uh, no, I want to see dinosaurs. All right. I want to see exactly what dinosaurs look like. They'll eat you in like a second. I'll take a picture. You said but, I had a way to get back. Yeah, but I mean, you probably got to like go in there and like press some buttons and like set the time and then get <laughs> it up to 88 miles an hour. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that this was a DeLorean I was using. I didn't say that. I thought I was using Rip Hunter's time sphere. Okay, sure. <laughs> I didn't say a fast way to get back. All right. Well, what if you had a, a slow way to get back? What are you talking about? Like you had to go somewhere that wasn't dangerous. Civil War. Oh my God. That's not dangerous. I mean, I could I could stand from afar. Tell that to Jenny Wade. Boom. Wow. Gettysburg dig. <laughs> Burn. Mic drop. Okay, the podcast has gone long enough. We've you already signed asked, off. You haven't asked me. Oh boy. Okay. What would you like to where would you like to go in time? I would have killed it in the eighties. I just know it. I would have yeah. been Getting coked up and dancing all night, and I would have been living my best life. Would you have read the first few Booster Gold comics? Would you be in Booster Gold then? No, I wouldn't be a nerd. (laughs) If I lived in the 80s, I'd be like, comic book who? Superhero what? Ah, stockbroker. Robin's dead. (laughs) All right, goodbye, everyone. Bye. (laughs)